Hello everyone, Richard Wilson here, founder of the Family Office Club. I want to do a quick intro for a video podcast interview I did. We'll have it in audio format as well with Dan Sullivan, who's been a mentor of mine. Uh, what I admire about Dan is that for 40 plus years, he's been a coach to business owners, not so much startups or big publicly traded company business owners, but medium-sized business owners that are looking to scale and grow their capabilities and teams and, of course, revenue and profits in turn. And that consistency over a long period of time, I can really relate to. Uh, the Family Office Club, we're looking to very consistently be serving those who want to start a family office, who run a family office, who are developing direct investment programs for people that work in investor relations or raising capital. And it's really within that box over time that we're looking to be most helpful too. So as we run more of our conferences, we have more deal flow, more family office relationships, and more insights as a result. And even though we do many things in the family office industry, it's by building that platform and that mindset that we're hoping to be just as valuable over the long term as Dan Sullivan has been to medium-sized business, business owners, including myself. Uh, last year, I just only listened to his podcast and only read his books and didn't read any other books, and it's helped us grow our business. And uh, likewise, I hope at some point our content is valuable enough that I would be uh, honored to have someone do the same with our content and just digest everything we're doing and adapt things to their niche and use our strategies to help them move forward uh, with their investment firm and their projects related to investors or investing as a family office. Um, I've made great connections through Strategic Coach and Dan Sullivan. I've gotten great advice from him. And you'll see in this interview I'm about to do that there's many concepts that are core to what we teach at the Family Office Club. A couple of them uh, were things that I was already doing and believing in before hearing about Dan Sullivan. And I might have gotten the advice through other people who have been mentored uh, by him. And some of the other ones I've gotten directly from Dan Sullivan. I try to always uh, give him credit for that, such as unique ability, uh, et cetera. But you'll see some concepts such as him talking about a frontier zone. is like me talking about a, a sandbox that you want to own that's not too crowded. And you hear that at our workshops. You'll hear him talk about who you want to be a hero to. At our workshops, I've always called that a customer avatar or investor avatar. Um, he talks about being highly intentional uh, about everything that you want to do and get and who you want to serve. I often talk about integrity and having everything aligned so that what you eat, who you associate it with, where you live, where you work, what's your direct investment strike zone, who's on your family office team, your logo, your brand, your one-liner are all aligned to what you actually want to get done and who you want to attract. At the end of the day, that's about being intentional. So I enjoy doing this uh, interview. I've been waiting for a couple of years to do this interview. Um, I put him right on par with um, when I got started. Evan Pagan was a big mentor. Jeffrey Gittimer was a big mentor. I've had a chance to meet them in person and interview them. I've interviewed Brian Tracy and Dan Sullivan uh, was one of those top five interviews that I've, that I've ever done. So I wanted to record this short piece. You'll see during the interview, I'm very open about where we are as a business and our challenges and templates and mental models we're trying to develop to really grow the Family Office Club sent to Millionaire Advisors, our investor relations marketing agency called PitchDex.com. And I see the ideas taught at Strategic Coach um, and by Dan Sullivan as really elementary to do so. If you've never heard of Dan Sullivan before, definitely recommend you check out his book, uh, The ABC Model, or check out his book, Who Do You Want to Be a Hero To? Um, those two books, or the book, The, the Frontier Zone, um, I think are just excellent and worth their weight in gold in terms of actionable uh, advice on how to take everything I just said and, and act on it in a very focused way. These books take 40, minute, 40 minutes to read, maybe an hour to read at most uh, on an airplane trip or a train trip into the city if you live in New York. So I definitely encourage you to check them out, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Dan Sullivan and myself. Thank you for uh, listening or watching, and take care. The first thing, so uh, an additional capability uh, who, who can you, the, you know, the center, you know, the bullseye of who you really want to be a hero to, how does this, uh, add to your ability to be a hero to who you want to be or acquire more people you want to be a hero to of the right kind? Right. Right. I mean, I think in, uh, in the investment world, there's a lot of people trying to collaborate between an investor and a company and the investor wants to add strategic value because they can help their investment go well. 
and the company wants investors that add value because then things are more likely to go well and they're almost like advisory board members, then many times people raise capital and they don't have that front of their mind. They're just trying to raise capital from anyone who has a checkbook. Um, so it's interesting. I think a lot of my audience is not familiar with, you know, the terms, you know, collaboration and the way that you yeah. mean it or who wants to be a hero to, who do you want to be a hero to, et cetera. And um, I guess for anyone watching this who's, you know, watch, listening to our podcast or watching this, you know, essentially who you want to be a hero to is like we talk about in our capital raising workshops, who do you want to serve as a target investor more than everyone else and add value to them and just craft everything from your copy to your logo to appeal to that very niche yeah. audience. And then when we talk about collaboration, you can probably explain it better than me, Dan, but you have a very unique way of removing some elements that usually people would try to negotiate in there that just removes friction so that there's momentum yeah. without, without a lot of upfront friction. And one of the things that threw me the first 10 times you said it, and I've been getting better at it, is either to make it so the money is only at the end or only based on performance and just as much as possible, make it so there is no financial transaction. You're both yeah. just growing your market exposure and you've done that many times with podcast partnerships and then, or to just delay it. So it's all about creating that fruit in three yeah. years. Yeah. Share. yeah. And, uh, and uh, we just came up with a new concept that we tested out at the smaller uh, free zone frontier. And we said, uh, and we just got people to identify their three biggest success at simplifying something, you know, like uh, in their entrepreneur career, they've really simplified something for other people. And three examples of where they've multiplied something. Um, and, uh, and then we have them talk about simplifying and multiplying. And I said, generally speaking, there may be some rare exceptions. But your heart is more into simplifying uh, than it is. And some people, it's more into multiplying. Okay, So the best collaborations are actually between a unique ability simplifier and a unique ability multiplier. Okay, mm. and other, uh, That's going to take know, some thinking. <laughs> just think about it, that you have a, a something special that somebody who is a multiplier, they could really multiply what you have, but they don't have the ability to simplify. They don't have that value creation or vice versa. You know, okay. So I think Jeff Bezos is kind of unique because I think he's both a simplifier and a multiplier, you know, because sure. everything starts with a six page document. You know, there's not a thing in the Amazon that doesn't start with what's called a PRFAQ. And right. uh, and if you present a product or a service that you want on Amazon, you have to fill in your PRFAQ. So, sure. and sure. I think he developed that when he was an investment banker in New York, that right. you know, a lot of things come across the desk and it's all confusing. A lot of it, what it is is an advanced hobby or something, you know, it doesn't really have a value creation uh, proposition to it. Are you okay? I think we've uh, lost contact here. There we are. Uh, I'm good here. Okay, I'll just uh, go back over what yeah. I said. This uh, frequently happens. So what what I feel is that, um, um, and just a question for you, so that you really are in your unique ability zone all while you're doing this. That if you had to say what you are and where your greatest success and what your passion, sort of your default position, it's kind of like an emotional. Would you say you're a simplifier or a multiplier? If you, it's not that you're not a great multiplier, but that one of them is a unique ability and maybe the other one's an excellent capability. Right, I think I simplify. I think I simplify. There's many ways to grow something, but my strength is crafting a position that's gonna get you systematic yeah. qualified leads. And it seems to me like someone else is creating a mul uh, platform here, a multiplier platform, and mm -hmm. you've got a simplifier uh, that just adds, uh, expands the value of the platform. Okay. Right, yeah, no, it's interesting to think about uh, from those different perspectives. I mean, I was just at a uh, three hour dinner last night where there's a, it's a billion dollar plus commercial real estate family. And we have all this noise going on at our conferences, which is good noise. You know, there's 450 people at the event yesterday. A lot of them are real estate families. One of them has a hotel portfolio this family wants to buy. So when they look at me, they see that I've got all this going on and by just tapping into me, they're getting access to all this and I can help filter it for them. And I see in different parts of the relationship um, where I look at everything they do 
and then I'm helping them simplify where my unique ability is. So it's kind of like some of the power of unique ability seems to be either the distribution or the simplification where others just see, you know, a mess of options. Yeah. You know, being able yeah. to really focus on the, the meaning and the value. So uh, let's just examine it from, uh, you know, the, our basic, uh, what we call the free zone frontier model now that you've developed a 10 times capability. And, uh, but how does this take uh, without you doing anything more than you've ever done and what your unique ability, how does this take it to a hundred times, you know, just as a number? Uh, yeah. And what is the other capability have to do for, you to feel great about that, that it's just your unique ability multiplied by 10, you know, in terms of reach, in terms of impact, in terms of opportunity, how does this actually uh, multiply? What do they have that actually takes this 100 times? Sure. And then what is it that you do that takes them 100 times? Yeah, yeah, the thing I have is uh, the media platform and 6,500 people a year coming oh. through the events. Lots so of you're, the the you're, the multiplier. you're the multiplier here then. It, uh, potentially, the thing that's interesting though is I'm stuck in this box of oh, I sell conference tickets, a subscription. I do some uh, work helping set up family offices and can get a performance fee on that. But this firm built a $600 million commercial real estate portfolio, sold it in 2007 at a good time, now built a billion dollar plus portfolio, and they have the same values as me, et cetera. And the value is that I have all these people in my events. The real monetization is not selling them conference tickets. It's now that we have that platform to actually get investment deals done. And this family's done a billion dollar. So like they are gonna allow me to vertically integrate and partner. And um, a lot of the smart money in the family office space is going into um, like a joint venture type approach called CoGP. And it just means you're partnering at the partnership level with an investment fund instead of coming in as an LP passive investor. And so what I'm doing is using, looking at the 6,500 people coming through the events and saying, well, these 20 or 30 are very credible, great track records. They're only at 300 million or 200 million in assets, but they got a 12 person team. I think they're going to get to a billion. Why don't you partner with them and then help them scale? And so I help source the deal. Yeah. And I did this 20 out of 6,500 and then they can, you know, can partner on that investment aspect. Yeah, so the center of our, you know, our free zone frontier model is that you're a coach between an exponential uh, technology and an exponential teamwork. So they already have exponential teamwork, but you're linking them into an exponential technology. So how are you the coach in this? I mean, if you think of yourself as a coach, uh, you know, that you're connecting them with something that on their own they couldn't do themselves or they... Yeah, they would I mean, try they to, to they would try to, you know, uh, you know, build it inside. But that's not the you know, that's not the future that they're really looking forward to. Right, right. And they knew they wanted to go to the next evolution of a more efficient business model. And they knew they wanted to find good investment managers they could partner with. And that way they just help provide the capital. And and so they didn't have a system for getting that deal flow or for meeting new investors routinely. Yeah. So. I'm really coaching them on that, but also they didn't know what words to put around it. And it's really the co-GP uh, structure is what they were kind of intuitively leaning towards. So I brought that concrete idea to the table. Like you said, the person who names the game owns the game. Yeah. Bought co-GPcapital.com and co-GPcapitalpartners.com and we're so, going to be building so that brand with So them, it's so. kind of like Intel inside. You, you've kind of, uh, that they have a power. You've, uh, you've, you're providing an operating system, but it's, it's an operating system with a technology, but there's coaching that goes along with it. Yeah, without their electricity, I just have some wires and a microchip, but you know, the current's got to flow with their, their power and their 110 person team. And I guess uh, the way that I've been thinking about it a lot lately is that they're a strong animal in the jungle um, and they're unique because of how strong they are. Uh, I'm a unique animal in the jungle because there's no one else that does the conferences, the databases, and advises the families. My competitors are just in one of those three things. So us combined is where there's a hundred times opportunity because now I was doing something really, really unique. They're doing something really powerful, and now we have unique yeah. and powerful. You know, yeah. so I see that that is you know two animals cooperating that are both. yeah, yeah, and neither of you has to do except what you're already great at. Right, that's what's most exciting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a development of the new interface and the new platform, 
and everything else. But that's just, uh, you know, if you look at the eight C's, uh, you're, you know, you each have capability, you're collaborating, and new content is going to be created. In other words, right. there's, there's a new language that will be created, a new methodology that will be created, uh, you know, but that's just because uh, it gets paid for with a hundred times payoff. I mean, so right. neither neither of you really needs the cash right now. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I you already know, cash. you already know how, I mean, left to your own devices, you're always gonna be making more cash and right. uh, and they're always gonna be making more cash. It's just, uh, just by adding, each of you adding another capability, the multiplier is there. Right, right, yeah, and I think it's uh, you know focusing the energy on something that we think inevitably inevitably will be more and more popular, and is something we both had in mind naturally makes it so I'm not trying to sell them on a new idea that's you know foreign to them really. It's just we are both trying to kind of like serving the same type of hero. We saw this trend. This is what the smart money wants. Yeah. Can I ask you a question in terms of yeah. scope? Which of you is more national? Is one of you more regional and one of you more national? Uh, we're both very national, actually. Um, yeah, we're pretty national. I'm a little bit more global because we do events in Singapore and London. Yeah, so let's go. Yeah, yeah. So this is, um, yeah. So the whole point, the whole point is that um, you actually, actually both have simplifier and multiplier combined in your respective 10 times capabilities. And, uh, right. and uh, actually, you each needs the simplifier and the multiplier that the other has. To, sure. to go a hundred times. Sure, sure, yeah, no, I think that's true for sure. And I had um, a couple of questions related to this because I'm just finding many times people come to me and say, hey, Richard, we need consultant advice. We want you through pitchdex.com to do all our materials. We want to come to your events, et cetera. And, and I say, okay, well, um, you, know, you can put us under retainer, um, but then I look at what you do and, and you're so focused and you know, you're more powerful because of the focus and you've done extremely well. And you say, when you simplify, things multiply. Heard you say that many times, and yeah. I've seen that in some aspects of my business, and I, I confine myself to the box of family offices and that that related space. But I do see many times, like with a um, a meat company, a uh, Invisalign related uh, apparatus, you know, company. It's like antibacterial thing, um, and two or three other opportunities where the people are saying, "Could you be on our advisory board?" or "What's the big way we could work together?" and you know, I've been laying out, I'm trying to get smarter on the template of that. I think a Dan Sullivan template is like focus on keeping it simple and your core thing will multiply. I kind of know that part of what your answer might be, but everyone has a unique game board in front of them and unique, unique ability to, to play out, I realize. And so, uh, you know, three, three options I've been putting in front of people is like, hey, look, our retail price for things is this. Uh, if you'd like me to be on the advisory board with 2.5% advisory shares that I don't have to invest to get, then we'll give you a half off on the retail pricing. If you'll uh, allow us to invest a little bit of money and be a five or 10% partner, um, then we'll again make the pricing very reduced or in some cases maybe uh, provide all that stuff without the cash exchange. And that way you know that we really want you to be massively successful. We're not just trying to sell you, you know, a retainer, you know, because I don't need yeah. that cash as much as I'd like to be building my net worth and not just be a, a conference host. and consulting with some families on investments. And um, I just like to hear what your comments are on that. Yeah, well, here's, here's the thing, and I'm noticing that's tending in this direction, that a lot of our, I'll give you Steve Krein as an example, you know, right. because Steve is really playing a global game and, uh, you know, in uh, probably at our February special event, uh, he'll be in a public position to talk about. There's some things that are under wraps now, so I don't want to, uh, sure, sure. you know, do it. But what I'm noticing more and more is that as people get better and better at this collaboration game, what they're doing is that they're kind of reproducing the experience of the Free Zone Frontier program, but specific to the, uh, you know, the focus and capabilities. So one of the things sure. I'm saying is there a value, and I'm just uh, uh, talking about it, that down the road you'd have about 10 of these, you know, these type of collaborations, and then you could put all the collaborators together in a common group, and that would be their advisory board, that they're in a group where everybody's doing exactly the same thing, but you're at the center as the integrator, 
you're you're in my role inside right. the free zone frontier and you right, got unique right. content and you've got unique credibility and you've got a unique community and uh the question is one would you be open to jumping to that role where uh it was uh you know it was not the best game of one dimensional chess you've ever seen but it's actually three dimensional chess and they're learning from other people who are doing the same time of national and global collaboration that uh, that you're you're already uh expanding right. into right yeah no it makes a lot of sense i've never thought about it that way for some reason even though you've said hey at the center of it it's coaching and you know we do literally coaching of you know capital raising workshops and a coach family offices but you're talking about you know basically having you know 10 or 30 uh you know of these people and then be connecting them to each other to share resources and having you know them come to a private breakfast before our events and share notes and just collaborate between each other so one of their payoffs they just get introduced to thinking that's resonant with their thinking but it's another uh you know it's a it's a complete i mean the, as far as i can see the global economy is infinite in terms of what you could integrate and put together it all depends on who's at the center of this you know it's like the total creative economic integrator exercise you know that, right. we, that we did at the special event so i'm just telling you i'm just noticing a trend happening already so i just had a zoom call uh, about three weeks ago and usually what we're doing now is that we're editing them and i'm going to put in coaching observations you know cool. uh, and i had one uh 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 Two and a half weeks ago, and uh, I, I don't remember the exact people here. Uh, Mordecai, you know, Mordecai Rosenberg yeah. was there, and uh, you know, and David Berg was there. Another thing, uh, and I uh, uh, and I and when we got to the end, Eleanor arrived looking at. It, I said, I don't know what to edit out here. I said, everything <laughs> everybody said, oh, was Paul Abel, you know, who, who you know, he started off with posters, and now he's that payroll companies are just putting his information right on their, you know, on their payroll information. So it's not even right. posters anymore. It's just that he gets exclusive send out by their payroll company and everything like that. Right. He was just sitting there and he said, man, this is amazing what we're doing. And then Ross Thornley is creating, you know, this adaptability AI. And he right. said, well, I can introduce you to platforms right now that have already have 10,000 people on them. And, you know, we could talk about it. And Paul Van Dyne, who just joined the program, and he's got this bypass of performance review. It's just an Uber-like app. And that yeah. you, uh, it's a constant real-time evaluation of people's attitude and their performance. And you can, right. you know, you can give them exceptional comments, or if it's a five, you give an exceptional comment if it's less than a four. If it's a four, there's no comment. It's just a sure. start. So what I'm saying is that I see uh, that there's new um, there's new roles that you take on as you explore this. And I just it's not sure. that you're going to do it now, but I just want to keep it in mind that this yeah. is one that you're doing. But maybe um, you know going through this one platform experience and this one collaboration, hundred times collaboration. Yeah, uh, like I say, always start with one because if you do one, you know 50% of what it takes to have 10. Right, right. We've done uh, three of these now, and I'm I'm doing I'm closing my fourth one this month. But I've got another four or five in the hopper, and usually yeah. I'm just doing one per year. But I think because my brain is open to just being open to the conversation. Uh, and whether or not they choose that or they just want to pay reasonable no, no. price for what we do. Well, know. first of all, you don't need it. I, I yeah. say you're in the position where you're not doing it out of not need, you're doing it out of want. You know, I just want to, you know, I want to see how big this game can actually get. But at the yeah. at the center of it, you don't have to be anything except what you are, you know. And right, right. Yeah, Charlie's almanac book about the mental models really is impactful to me about how you create a little machine in your brain and then, you know, use that in certain situations. And Richard Branson gets a 5% gross revenue royalty and uses his brand on 300 different companies. You have a template for collaborating via podcast, getting 100,000 people, you know, a week to listen to on all these different podcasts, if not much more. And uh, I think part of uh, applying the strategic coach models in this scenario is figuring out what is that 
template model. You might be customize the machinery for a certain type of widget, but like, what is that template that makes it so all I'm doing is my unique ability and we're aligned, they respect our time. And then, you know, um, I'm trying to create these rules so that the yeah. machine is dialed in, you know? Yeah. And I think that the other uh, concept, you know, in the ring, you know, we got this ring of concepts in Free Zone Frontier. Is it 25 years compelling? In other words, is it, is it 25 years fascinating? You know, would you always right. be motivated and fascinated to take this further just in the framework that you're creating here? And that, that's very important because if, if you're fascinated and motivated and you're totally being a hero to who you want to be 25 years from now, it just saves a lot of uh, angst about where is this going. And not only that, you'll be very, very careful not to complicate the simple model. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes me think of like three, three things. One is that uh, I was screening opportunities by what's a hundred million dollar opportunity. It's either a hundred million dollar family or the company could become worth a hundred million, et cetera. Uh, but obviously that's not all that matters. That's just one of the checklists. And, yeah. you know, last night I really realized that when spending time with a client um, because, you know, I'm a third generation Eagle Scout and kind of a boring person at nighttime. I don't drink, go to bars or anything. And I usually don't even go to social dinners after my events. I'm kind of tired from talking, and, but I did this time. And they wanted to go out to this place called Brome, which I'd never heard of before, but it's a frozen yogurt gelato place. I was afraid it was gonna be some bar, you know, in some crazy place. But just being aligned with somebody, cause you know, I don't mind doing business with people that drink alcohol, but like obviously if they were, you know, smoking cigars and doing shots and going to like a strip club, I would opt out and I wouldn't want to have anything to do with them you know, on a, you know, recreational fund basis, right? So it just, it's interesting to think about getting that criteria so tight that you simplify things like you talking about, you know, 23andMe, I don't want the whole world to be pinging me unless they're a business owner of, you know, 10 employees. They qualify for the program and, uh, you right. know. <laughs> right, I, I and then you have such an ocean of contacts, you know, uh, you're only doing the podcast partnerships with half a dozen people out of, you know, the 600 workshops and so many thousands of members and with 6,500 people coming through my events, I think it's like the tighter I can get that criteria, the more my yeah. brain, a light will go off when I see them and say, okay, you know, they meet the 12 yeah. or they meet the six criteria. Can I ask you a question if we're going in reverse here? What does this do to your base company? So if you acquire this new capability, uh, uh, is there uh, a simplification you can do to your base company as a result of doing this, okay, uh, uh, you know, yeah, there might be, there might be. I mean, I definitely see a huge boost in credibility because, like, when we're providing something as a service, they go off, they have whatever success. Sometimes I don't even hear if it worked or not, or if they had success or not. If I'm on the board, then any success they do have, I'll actually know about. And I'm going to help influence it more, and then I can have more credit on making that happen. Yeah. You know, if I'm a board member and I have 5% equity and it does go to hundred million, then I can tell that story at every workshop and have a case study. And in my industry, everything is about your track record, your case studies, your stories that makes up who becomes your client, you know, yeah. pretty directly. Yeah. Uh, another thing that Steve Prime, you know, has really mastered, he says, every time I grow, I run into another border where a new mindset scorecard is, um, uh, you know, is really needed because my connections are expanding exponentially, but I don't right. want to connect with everybody. So he says, what I find is that I have to, um, when I get there, I could be overwhelmed with connections at a particular level that would screw up the simplicity of what we're doing here. So when right. I jump to another level, uh, then what is the mindset scorecard? Yeah, I, I can be offered a hundred opportunities, but actually I'm just looking for this. So all along, mm -hmm. as you're multiplying, you have to simplify again. And it's mindset. Right. I mean, at your stage, it's just money is not the issue here. Everybody's got money. I mean, every, everybody, everybody is fully serviced. They have, they're fully serviced with electricity and plumbing and everything else. That's not the issue here. It's actually sure. mindset. Mindset. I think the fourth simplicity then based on you saying it that way is that um, at my event yesterday, I wasn't the MC for the event. I had my team member introducing all the speakers, discussion panels. I just moderated one panel, gave my short talk. And I used to always be the MC and I took a ton of energy, but yesterday I was able to get, you know, 10 or 13, 10 to 12 meetings done. I answered 20 emails on the side of the room, like your team sits at the side of the room, et cetera. And I got to 
see the event and reserve my energy for the high power connections versus doing what now is more looking like maintenance type work of introducing the next speaker. It takes a lot of energy when you have 40 people on stage in a day, right? Yeah. So I think like elevating myself so that I don't even have to be at each one of the events like you've been able to do. Uh, we're doing 32 events a year. And right now I have to go to everyone. So my goal is to get to 50, 60 events in two years and still go to only 30 uh, yeah. or so to try to build into that. I know Dean Jackson is trying to kind of blue man group himself yeah. Yeah. real time right now too. Yeah, yeah and, the, and the big thing is that um, one of the things I do, like I, you know, I mean, my only two outside conferences are really uh, Genius Network and then Abundance. And actually I'm doing a live webinar uh, at three o'clock uh, right in our studio with Peter Diamandos. And cool. he's just, he's just going to focus on what we're doing with longevity, uh, you know, and uh, probably a keen interest in almost all your clientele is uh, right. longevity. And, uh, and uh, so they, they, the big thing that I do, because, I, you know, I'm a two fact finder, two follow through. And so if I'm in an avalanche of stuff, I, you know, I just, after a while, I said, you know, let's go to a smoke filled room and have shots, you know, because I'm, <laughs> and I never thought of yogurt. Uh, I never thought of <laughs> Should try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, but what I'm saying, I always do an impact filter before every one of my, where I'm in group situations, of just what I'm looking to get out of this. Uh, I don't know what's gonna mm -hmm. happen. I don't know what information, but sure. this is what I'm looking for that would be a real reward for me. And I leave open two surprises that I didn't know that this was, and all of a sudden I said, wow, this is a surprise. Because if you don't go in simplified, then you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, you're not going to get multiplied. You're going to, you're going to get overwhelmed with the information. Sure, and, sure. and so, so my sense is that what you've done a really great job now, where you were the full master of ceremonies in all these events. Now you've simplified back to, you just have a panel role and a little bit of Q and A, and then uh, so that seems to be to be a massive simplification that you've pulled off. Yeah. That that could have killed you down the road. It would prevent you from actually doing the project that you're talking about. Yeah, it's such a simpl uh, simplification thing. It's like we could just keep doing 32 events a year, but I'll get a lot more business done because now I don't have to be up on the mic all day. Or yep. we could go to 50, 60 events because now I know my team can handle it without me there uh, on yep. some level. You know, so. Yep. And um, you know, when I was just starting my business, I had a, a workshop with Evan Pagan, and yep. um, you know, early on he was really helpful, like a big mentor to me, and he gave me some advice. I remember asking him, like, what would you tell someone to do in their first year in business to scale the seven figures. And he said, you know, read the master mastering the Rockefeller habits book. And a lot of our business is about choke points and acquiring choke points and knowing our sandbox and our keyword term and authority building, et cetera. And that really kind of transformed my business where we're at a stage now is we really want to grow to be, you know, 20, 30 million a year in revenue and we need to transform. Um, so when you see companies do this through coach, you have all these different tools, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of unique ability and, uh, you know, who you want to be a hero to. Uh, the frontier idea is big for me. Um, and, but if you narrowed it down to the one or two things you think is, uh, makes the most difference out of everything, you boil all of coach to like, who really actually makes it there. Not just, um, what's a exciting idea to think on, but like, what do you see people doing that this, you know, really makes the difference you think? Well, I think the big thing, and I just finished the recording for the next book and the next workshop, and this is at the 10 times level. So the next book is called Always Be the Buyer. So, okay. I mean, we all spend a considerable amount of our early career being the seller, where we're right. kind of trying to fit ourselves into other, you know, into being presentable for somebody else's bigger game. But it seems to me now that you're crossing over and your simplification uh, that you used to be the seller as the master of so ceremonies, but there's enough power to your model that you don't have to be the uh, front and center anymore. Right. But the big thing now is just to have the realization that you're now the buyer. And uh, so other people are presenting you information or opportunities that's either useful or not useful. Okay, and so uh, the, the biggest thing that you have to take greater ownership now is just Richard Wilson and what's Richard Wilson 
what's Richard Wilson, what's, what's useful and what's not useful to Richard Wilson here as you go forward. And in every situation right. to remember that you're not the, you're not the seller here, you're the buyer. Right. If it's a good collaboration, both of you are buyers, you know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're both buyers, but you're, you're, you have a something totally different that if you put it together, it's an instant multiplier with either, without either of you having to sell anything. It's just, um, right. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. And I get, I have, uh, admire your ability to take the workshops and boil it down to these exercises and tools. I'm still at the, uh, middle school level of having six different workshop types, but I go through 90 different PowerPoint slides and I only do five exercises the whole day, but then I'm rattling off PowerPoint slides and you can't, replicate that easily. So I have to turn it into a, a process yeah. you know, where it's more standardized, like you've been able to do with your 37 tools or, or you know, many tools. 116 actually right <laughs> 116. now. Yeah, but there's a, you know, there's a base foundation, uh, base foundation. I'm not coaching all the tools, but right. at the lower levels of program, these are very, very useful. And the, the biggest thing that I've discovered is that you're selling thinking, you know, you're, 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 what you're selling. I mean, the biggest problem with most people is not the problem, is that they don't even know how to think about the problem. I have that on my wall at home uh, of things that I read every day. Uh, my goals, my annual goals, my monthly goals, and I have this paragraph of one-line statements. About 10 of them are from you, and that's one of them. Yeah, yeah just try to the problem is that. never the problem. People are, you know, people are clear, confident, and capable in what and how they do valuable thinking. They create valuable thinking for other people. But if you go 360 degrees, the more they're really, really good at helping someone else with thinking, there's more and more areas around them that they just don't have time to do the thinking. It could be, I mean, right. the opportunity is not the opportunity. You know, if we just reverse it, it's not a problem at your level. Uh, the opportunity is not the opportunity, uh, or the problem with the opportunity is that you don't even know how to think about the opportunity. Right, right, right. Yeah, some of these ideas you have to uh, kind of take a little note down and meditate on it later. I mean, that's yeah, why I like yeah. them too. Uh, the other thing, uh, you know, we uh, I have another, uh, you know, the newest uh, tool in the, uh, you know, in the ring of the, Free zone frontier is that uh, you have to have cash confidence, total cash confidence. And the reason is you always want to be in a position that if you're offered a new capability or more cash, you're in a position just to cho choose the capability. Because with right. a new capability, you can always create more cash, but more cash doesn't necessarily create a new capability. And I've seen right. people killed with more cash that, you know, it's. Uh, it's either a stimulant or it's a depressant, you know, more cash. And I've seen people, you know, and, and you know, and, and if they're now thinking about buying a sports franchise, you, you, you know, it's, uh, I have a, I have a hedge fund manager that I'm having breakfast with uh, and I see him every quarter. And he says, he just looks at the personal private behavior of all the investment he has. And the moment he says that they want to buy a status, uh, tool in the marketplace. He says, I short them. He says, I get rid of them because they're bored with what made them a lot of money. And they're, uh, they're, uh, he says, as soon as they're bored, they're boring to me. So I, th I think the, I think the big thing here is you're in a position now where you can stockpile capability. Right, 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 right. And that's going to lead to that exponential growth when I combine it with other people's capabilities. I guess a part of it is just being highly intentional about what capabilities I'm seeking and then what templates to use when collaborating with others. It seems like two things that just keep on evolving and just make it ever more refined, I guess, so more, more dialed in. Yeah, so I just have a re recent example and it'll be uh, finished next week or the week after. So I went to Genius Network and uh, Ben Hardy is the writer who is gonna write the big version okay. of and then Tucker Max, do you know who Tucker Max is? Yeah, yeah. Tucker Max is the greatest book uh, idea packager and strateg uh, strategist, you know. I mean, he, he himself had four, uh, at one time had four New York Times bestseller, and he was just applying his own, uh, you know, his own capabilities to his own books. 
and right. um, you know, and he was a wild and you know, kind of bar and you know, cigar smoke kind of guy. Yeah. And I said I really admire him and everything else, but uh, you know, yeah. it, uh, and uh, so he reappears and he's married and he's got three kids under five years old and he's got a terrific wife and he's kind of like a transformed individual. And yeah. uh, so he's going to do all the packaging of this book, making sure that it cool. touches all. And uh, then at the same conference was a man by the name of um, Reed Tracy who owns Hay House, which is a huge publisher, but the, the number one yeah. marketing publisher. So they don't just produce a book and then, you know, send emails to the book chains or bookstores. They actually... Uh, immediately what you wrote goes out to four million people you know and so all that comes as part of the capability because all the money from the book stays on the other side I said I don't want a cent from the book I said I uh, I, said, I never want to see a cent coming from this book I just right. said I'd like a million sales of the book and a thousand people signing up for strategic coach Right, right. And I right. said, it's right now, the lifetime value of anybody in the coach is 40,000. So take 1,000 times 40,000. I've said, you know, it's pretty good. Right, right. So part of it's just uh, delaying gratification. And there's probably uh, capability plus more gratification if you do so, right? So yeah, yeah. It shows confidence, too, I found in the investment world. If you're willing to get paid only on performance or only at the end, the people know that you're serious about getting it done. Right? Yeah, well, 99% so, of uh, any possible competitors can't even imagine that, you know, because, right. yeah, they're, they're worried about cash. So immediately you become invisible in the field. And the other thing is I've noticed that the, um, the IRS uh, doesn't see increased capability. They don't actually measure increased capability. They don't tax increased capability. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, I go back and problem. forth across the border and the customs, you know, whether it's Canadian customs or U.S. customs. And I, I said, well, they asked me about the cigarettes. They asked me about liquor, but they never asked me about new capability. I said, uh, it's <laughs> invisible. So my sense is that you can multiply and multiply and multiply, but it never shows up on anybody's radar screen. Right, right. Well, if they do start regulating that, it'll probably start in France and California. You know, or China, or China, you know. Yeah, or China. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. I think it's, it's just about um, stockpiling the capabilities and getting the models where you can be, you know, yeah. combining things in the marketplace to have something unique to have a frontier area. So I'll have to think more about the whole... Uh, you know, uh, creating a circle of people who are we're doing this with yeah. uh, over time, yeah, like Steve has, I guess. Well, and the other thing is it's 25 years and 90 days. It's 25 years and 90 days. It's 25 years and 90. You don't have to do anything except what's possible and achievable in the next 90 days. Right. So you don't have to get ahead of your skis here. You know, you, you know, you right. say, oh, I'm not taking advantage of that. I said, you're the only one in the world doing it. It's your game. Yeah. Right. Nobody else right. in the world really knows about, you know, what's going on in your head about what you're doing. Sure, sure. Um, I guess uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you is just about rules or templates for yourself. Um, like, what type of checklist do you have for people that, you know, you would collaborate with uh, on a podcast or in business um, that you've developed over time? Um, obviously, you want to work with business owners only and not publicly yep. traded and not startups with just a crazy idea. I know that much. Um, you know, obviously it helps. You've got coach. It's like a farm that's yeah. like growing relationships and it's, you know, similar to my business model. So I see that as well. Um, and you want people that have that, that mindset I know, or it's a growth mindset, but um, is there one or two other or, or several? Yeah, other I would things? say I'm really, uh, you know, I'm really super alert uh, about what, which column on the mindset scorecard is, um, the sweet zone for them, you know. Okay. And I got fooled very, very much during the first 25 years of coach because yeah. two 35-year-olds, two, two one of them actually wants to just play the transformation game continually wherever they get to here, then they don't. And another one may be there's a, there's a home in the suburbs, there's a club membership, there's belonging to a golf club, there's having their kids right. in the right school, there's having a second home. And they're, they're after status, 
and one of them, they will show the same amount of ambition and same amount of growth, but one of them just comes to a sudden stop and say, you know, I'm, I'm where I want to be, and the other one doesn't. And I was fooled a lot, and then I, you know, I just sent them out really, really early about the language. Is it column three language or is it column four language, you know? And the right. column twos are actually the ones who want to be in four, and the three, threes, it's between... They were failures and they don't want to be a failure again, but it's a status failure. You know, they, uh, sure. you know, it's, it's what kind of, you know, how many uh, th thousand square feet over seven is their mansion and, uh, and Key Biscayne. I mean, I know what Key, Key Biscayne, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're competing on square footage of mansions, you know, it's world-class territory. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I'm uh, really big into uh, positioning, branding, you know, managing what a perception is and doing that to build confidence, trust. But um, obviously, uh, all the things you've been watching us do, I, I'm not just doing it for some material level. I think I got there when I was back in Oregon and I looked around and said, well, what now? I'm 27 years old, yeah. 28 years old. I don't need to work now. So am I just going to sit around all day? You know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was in that I was in that space for a How year. How old are you now? How old are you now? 37. 37. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and the big thing is, uh, and it's just a thought, I'm developing a thought, it, um, um, <clears throat> and here's the question, and it talks about changing to stay the same. So mm -hmm. what is it that will always be the same about you that you'd w be willing to go through change in order to keep it the same? Well, uh, my strengths finder, uh, one is a uh, game, uh, playing and two is competitiveness. So I just love that when I can make it a, a game and be competing against other players on a field and doing something unique and developing strategies and getting sandboxes locked down and and I love the positioning influence parts of that. So I think that'll that'll always be the same. Um, yeah. It's just you know that mindset. What about on the personal side? Who you are personal uh, personally? Because it sounds to me like you're. You know, you're you're very established, and you have your prior. I mean, just from what I picked up from the conversation, yeah, yeah, you look good. I mean, you look like you're in great health, and it looks like that's serious. That's a serious consideration for you. Yeah, yeah, that's why I moved to Florida. So I like to be outside. I've got three daughters that are seven and younger. So I guess you know, family and exercise, and um, you know, being outside a lot and active is something yeah. that people always be consistent. Yeah, and, and playing games outside of business, honestly. You know, like playing board games or or any type of game, really. Yeah. So the one thing I I haven't I may have talked about this or not talked about it, but I've really revealed what my 25 year goal is because I'm 75 and I'm looking at right. 2044. So I'm 100 in 2044. And I said, um, what would be a great goal for when I get to 100? We've achieved it. And so we're doing these surveys during it's probably about a six month period. And we're just asking a series of questions about revenues, EBITDA, you know, personal take, uh, how many team members you have, how many free days you're sure. taking, how many family members you have. And right. so we've gotten 325 um, back from 10 times. And the averages are interesting. And we had to, we threw out some outliers that screwed up the averages. You know, they, okay. I mean, the biggest company we have in coach has got 9,000 employees. Well, you, if you put it into the averages, it's, right. uh, so we, we eliminate, and then we have one person operation who virtually they, you know, that their revenues and EBITDA is just out of sight, but they're basically, they just have a trick and, you know, and, you know, but they, you can't count them as team members because that isn't how they operate. So we okay. took those out. It's not that we won't add them in later, but uh, it's just that right now for the averages. So we're going to have 90%, whatever 90% of the total, you know, it'd be 2,600. And then we'll get averages for the whole company. And I, I'm thinking it's probably going to come in about 6 million revenues. It'll probably be EBITDA, might be, you know, it's mostly service business, so you know they they it could be two, uh, two million, two and a half million EBITDA, and then their take home is pretty pretty simple, depending on how they arrange their taxes. And we're just going right. to give that average, and then just looking at revenues in 2044, we take 2,600 times six million, so it's 
you know, it's about 15.6 billion. And I said a thousand times, so it'd be $15.6 trillion. The GDP, GMP of the Strategic Coach Network. And I said, and so the, the top 10 list we want to be is against the United States, China, you know, and everything else. And I think that, I said, that would be cool. And, and by far the most profitable, the most enjoyable GD, you know, uh, uh, entity on the top 10 list. And so I says, what it frees me up is from worrying about me or worrying about strategic coach. It's just who are our clients and what kind of games are they playing? And they can't right. do it if they can't do it if it's competitive. They can only do it if, if it's collaborative. I see. I see. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a great goal. I, I, when I started in coach, uh, I had a revenue goal, but then I realized a few things is that there's all different types of revenue. It could be revenue in something I own 100% of or own 1% of, or you know, buying a share yep. of Intel means nothing, right? Um, so because of the collaborative approach, I've realized that most of the revenue should come from partners uh, and, and collaboration. So well, I want to get to 100 million in revenue, I think 66 million of that should come from my collaborations and 33 million from my own operation. Yeah. And then recently, just working with so many centimillionaires who've gotten to the $100 million net worth level, you know, that's one of my goals for, you know, now the next uh, 23 or 24 years from now is to get to that level. But uh, most importantly, is just not to, um, you know, to enjoy it along the way. And if I don't make it there, it's kind of like if you don't live to 156, well, you know, it, you know, probably better things happen because I was trying to. Yeah, uh, there may be many people disappointed, but I won't be one of them, you know. I mean, <laughs> right, people exactly. said, well, you know, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. I said, well, probably not me. I'm gone. But uh, <laughs> you know, maybe some other people. But I said, who cares? I'm gone, you know. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's, it's similar to, you know, not living to get a car or a big house and not living to only get to like a net worth area it's playing the game and just having some rules of the game how do you keep yeah. scoring well yeah. i think that the of the two the competition you know your strength finder the the one that's really uh, important that you're always playing a game bigger than a game you played before is really and you'll compete or not compete depending on what's required but the real the real vehicle for this is actually the collaboration the six right 66 percent is more uh you know, is more growable than the 33% with one right. decision or one collaboration that's more growable. Maybe I'm not smart enough yet, but it could be that it's going to be 90-10, and maybe that's the faster, more enjoyable way. I don't know. We'll see how, how things yeah. go. But, you know, yeah. I used to think I had to do it all myself because I was like the poster child of rugged individualism. Well, your industry, uh, that's what your industry trains you to be. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, you know, I yeah. always got into trouble because I was producing a life. I mean, in the early days, life insurance, people would come into the program. And the ideal for the life insurance company is that they have uh, a lot of people between 60,000 and 100,000 commissions per year. But right. I said, when they start getting to half a million, uh, you know, half a million commissions and a million dollars commission per year, and they're not following any of the rules to get there, then they become a real problem for the insurance company. Okay? Right, right. Because they're trying to say, you know, I'm looking at what you're providing for me for the commission, you know, for the premiums I'm paying you, and I'm not seeing, you know, and I'm not, I'm not really seeing the, uh, you know, the reciprocity here. Well, it's not designed for you, and. Uh, and uh, not, not only that, you're becoming, uh, our management, management are not trained to deal with people like you, so you're causing us all sorts of problems. Right, 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 yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I was thinking before the call that, um, I'm trying to like sort this out in my brain, but if you use the, who do you wanna be a hero to as a compass and you find other people that are walking towards that center and the path is the unique ability, you know, cutting the way towards serving that hero, but you find others that don't do what you do, but they're on the same path with their own unique ability. It's just being really intentional, yeah. and, you know, partnering with those because they're all, we're all trying to get to the same place and together we can move faster through the jungle, you know. Yeah, but I would tell you, I think that the number one, uh, you know, if you could only check out one uh, thing about a potential collaborator, uh, it's the hero thing, because, you, you, you want to be a hero to people who want to be a hero to someone. And your safeguard of being a hero to them is that they want to be a hero to someone else. And I think it's a safeguard that, um, you know, that they're not going to go sideways on you or they're not going to come to a screaming stop 
you know, right. that, uh, and um, it, so my sense is if there's a mastery in this whole game is the person I will be a hero to, do they also want to be a hero? That, that they want to maximize the use of my capability to be more of a hero to the people that they want to be a hero. So it's a double, right. it's a double hero. If, if the double hero isn't there, it could be a yeah. nice, it could be nice a vendor relationship. It could be a nice, uh, you know, thing, but they don't have the, they don't have the staying power for 25 years if they're not right. And it'll show up who they've been a hero to in the past. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess I'm seeing, now that you say that, that uh, when I'm teaching the workshops, people, I'm being a hero to the people who are learning from me, but it's because I'm also serving investors and working with family offices that they are open to partnering because they see that we're both trying to be a hero to the investor at the end of the day. But I'm like a trail guide that says, oh, well, come with me because I know that if you talk to them this way and respect yeah. their alignment of, you know, fees and everything else, that it's going to go better for you. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of that double layer of being a hero uh, in that sense, too. Yeah. Me. And I think it's very nourishing. It's emotionally and psychologically nourishing, you know. Right. Uh, and, you know, the uh, I'm reading this fascinating book. Do you read? Uh, um, I mean, are you a reader? I do a lot of Audible books, yeah. I don't know if this is on Audible because it was written in German in uh, Germany in 1966. It's written in German and it just got translated, I think, sometime in the last 10 years. And I don't even know if the author is still alive um, because he writes as someone who's kind of like middle-aged in 1966. But the title of the book is Envy. And uh, and it's about envy, and it's a it's a really thick book, so I wouldn't give it out at the workshop or anything. I, you know, if I yeah. find someone's really interesting, but if you just read it chapter by chapter, he said the biggest subject, the biggest topic, and the biggest phenomenon in all of human history. He said, I don't care what the culture is, I don't care what the age was, is how do you handle envy? where you have real inequality of capabilities, real inequality of results, real inequality you know, of opportunities. Right. And uh, he said, but he said, the reason why nothing is written about this because scholars by their very nature and people investigate are extraordinarily envious because they live in closed worlds where uh, uh, you, you immediately notice that someone has more of an advantage in an area that has very, very little resources. And really, if you think of tenure in a university or you think of grants right. going going to college, it's just vicious competition. I mean, there's you, you think the stock market is vicious. You ought, to, you ought to be inside of a faculty meeting at a university, you know. Right. Somebody just got awarded something that gets them a grant and you don't get that. I mean, you hate that person, you know. I experienced that at Harvard. I had a, a battle with my uh, Harvard thesis advisor and it was like, she's from another universe. She told me like, well, Richard, why would you want to write three or four books? I would rather just have one article my whole life published in a prestigious journal than write multiple books. Just, just do one thing. Uh, well, and she was like in this the whole separate universe. And uh, meanwhile, my business was skyrocketing and instead of sword fighting her, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't need this. And no one's asked my resume since. So you know, uh, it was like, it doesn't, it's not yeah. relevant anymore. Yeah, so the, ba the big thing is that envy is where you drink poison and you're waiting for the other person to die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even know you drank it. <laughs> yeah, and it's the worst sin in all major religions going back thousands of years. It's, and if you think about the book of Genesis, Satan was the foremost archangel, you know, the Milton, the paradise lost. He, that Satan was the foremost, and uh, the uh, the archangel was uh, envious of God, that he was secondary to God, and uh, he said, "I'd rather be the God of hell than to be subservient to the God of heaven." And mm -hmm. so, envy is the uh, you can't forgive that sin because right. the person is destroying themselves, but they also and the other thing is they don't want what other people have. They want other people to lose what they have. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it relates to the gap, of course. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you know, meeting with people that are often worth, you know, 200, 400 million on an often basis, 
many times I look around like, what the hell am I doing in my life? You know, I'm not getting anything done here, but it can be motivating if you turn it yeah. into like your 90 day plan. But if you, uh, yeah. if you just look at it, you know, the wrong way, obviously, I think that's one thing that's good about coach is just always reminding me about that and focusing the plans and yeah. you know, making it motivating. Yeah. And I see this. Uh, and he said that this has never been, a, uh, never been acceptable in any society until the 1800s when socialism was created. And uh, socialism is institutionalized envy. Okay, it's institutionalized envy. And you can just see the Democrats right now. They want to take away from the people who have. Right. You, right, know, right. you know, this fossil fuels just makes everybody richer and prosperous. So we want to take away fossil fuels because if it's all solar and if it's wind power, then people won't be achieving. They won't be getting richer, you know. It's not that they, they want to save the world. They, they're just really envious of what people can do as, you know, and the U.S. is just the, you know, the, you know, uh, I mean, Trump, you know, Trump's greatest sin is that he's a billionaire with no guilt. <laughs> he, and right. I, I've never seen that he was very envious of anyone else. You know, I've never seen right. that he's really, and I don't get a feeling that he's very resentful. You know, he's not very right. resentful. And right. uh, you can't shame him. It's impossible to shame the guy, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, that's for uh, sure. <laughs> uh, I, and I said, sure. what, uh, what, what's a socialist do with a guy like this? There's no... Uh, there's no yeah. button you can push to make this guy feel sorry or apologize or, right. you know, right, and everything right. else. And I, mean, I think, uh, yeah, and I don't think they realize that they have all those things inside of themselves of envy and, you know, and, uh, and uh, they can't imagine a people who doesn't care about other people being envious of them. You know what I mean? Right. I, and I, I notice a lot of charity is actually people trying to avoid other people's envy. You know, it's, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and it's right. interesting. Never, never and uh, I think I'm reading this book right now because the people in the free zone frontier, you're going to be achieving things that just uh, other. If you're worried about other people's envy, it's going to hold you back. It's interesting to think about uh, using the power of the natural envy someone else will have on a position like someone like you in a way where you're actually genuinely helping them. But you're using that for momentum, but then just self-regulate yeah. yourself on uh, not letting yourself get in the gap through envy, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, that's one reason why I love uh, going to uh, Singapore. We're hosting an event there at the, the Raffles Hotel again here in November. And when I go there, I feel like it's more American dream optimistic than it is in America anymore. Because everyone, like anything in the media or any of like my old friends in Oregon, et cetera, is just always like down, down, so bad, so bad, so pessimistic. And, uh, you know, in Europe, I think it's even worse in some places. Oh, yeah. but in Singapore, everyone's excited. There's tons of opportunities. It's a frontier yeah. land, you know. Um, it's all wealthy and created everywhere. So I just like being there. I mean, the same difference between Oregon and Florida. That's why I moved. But there's another jump, I think, yeah. in, in Singapore. So I love that. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the envious people control the media and, um, you know, and everything. So... But my feeling is that the, uh, I have a book to give everybody in 10 times and it's called The Absent Superpower. What happens to the world when the United States is not interested in the world anymore? Because with uh, energy independence as a result, the reason why they have, hate fracking is that fracking makes America say, you know, um, uh, let's just get back to America, which it was before the First World War. So for a hundred years, the Europeans got the U.S. involved in their affairs, and, right. uh, and now, and, but it's because of energy that they had to, they had to protect the energy sources, but now they've got independent energy, and that's why they have this 16-year-old autistic girl speaking at the U.N., you know, to sure. have the children. They, they got a 16-year-old now as the global spokesperson for environmentalism because Nobody older than 16 in the environmental movement has any credibility anymore. So they're getting a 16-year-old, but Swedish girl, you know, I said, <laughs> I said, uh, I, uh, I said. She lives uh, on a grassy hill and flowers all day. Oh, yeah. She's got famous parents. They're well-connected parents. They're successful, you know, and, uh, you know, Sweden, you know, Sweden, you know, uh, the, the biggest danger in Sweden is just sheer boredom. I mean, I've been there and I said, God, you know, this is a, they got everything they want, but it's just 
colossally boring, you know, it's... Uh, right, right, right. And they have short yeah, summers, understand. they have short summers, they spend a lot of their time drinking in the dark, you know, and, uh, and uh, everything. So the interesting thing about this is that these are checkpoints, but if I had to say one I would check out absolutely to your total confidence and satisfaction is that you will not be a hero to someone else until you're totally clear about their passion for being a hero to someone else. And then everything else is more fine tuning, but that one is a deal killer if you don't check it out. Right, right, okay, great. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And there's uh, several things I need to take some notes on here and think about, about yep. creating that circle of collaborators. Yeah, and we also did Otter AI on this, so we've got the transcript oh, immediately and uh, we'll send the, uh, you know, we'll send the, transcript on it. And thank you for this. I, I, um, I, I wasn't so clear about the, the double hero that the, you have to have the double hero guarantee or it's, um, uh, you're, you, you're always going to have an anxiety as this person actually as a hundred percent focused on the game as I am. Yeah. Yeah. I found it painful when uh, they see me as a hero, but they're actually trying to serve someone I'm not serving and we're not aligned that way. And then they yeah. want me to do things that I don't want to do. It's not my unique ability. It's not my interest. And I think there's pain if you don't follow that. Um, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Definitely appreciate it. And, uh, you know, last thing I'll say is last year, I only read books that you wrote and I only listened to your podcast the whole year and I took a media fast from everything else. <laughs> Just kind of injected uh, sold and ideas. Well, thank you. And, thank you. It's very complimentary. I really... I, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I, uh, first of all, I appreciate that, that uh, yeah, it's that important to you and that uh, also it's creating value for you, for you. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no, well, obviously I appreciate it. I wouldn't have done that, but I, I'm seeing, you know, an ex exponential growth and opportunities. And it's just making sure I simplify things as I go so I can, yeah. you know, uh, keep things focused. But uh, things are going really well. So thanks for all the, the help and support. And, I, and I'll probably see you in three weeks or so at the... Uh, yep. Yeah. The next uh, frontier event. Yeah. Frontier. Yeah. Good. Well, real pleasure. And I hope you get a lot of value out of just uh, looking at this again. And uh, uh, maybe when you come to the uh, when you come to the uh, free zone frontier, you can talk a little bit about your collaboration and what you're learning about this collaboration. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. OK, thank you. Take care. Bye. OK, bye.